Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Chris Cavalier, 13 years of volunteer and career experience. Currently a senior firefighter slash relief driver for a municipality in South Carolina where he is housed with an engine slash truck and hazmat unit. Chris is the creator for Tailboard Leadership where he is trying to promote positive morale slash culture empowering fire service excellence, and igniting firefighter passion. If you have ever seen any of his quotes or reels, he posts a lot of his thoughts that are spot on regarding different topics and situations within the fire service. With that, I present Mr. Chris Cavalier. What's going on, everybody? My name is Chris Cavalier. I am the face, one of the faces behind the Tailboard Leadership brand uh, all over social media Taking social media by storm, as we like to say, um, but I appreciate being on here. Danny, thanks for what you're doing for the service as well. Uh, it's people like you bringing on people like me. That's really going to make a difference, especially in like the modern fire service. So I appreciate being here. Thank you. No, man, I, I appreciate you accepting the invite and uh, you coming on and talking shop, man. So uh, uh, first question I always ask is, how'd you get into the fire service? The age old questions. So been in the fire service will be 13 years this year. Uh, I started as a volunteer at the young age of 14 as like a junior slash explorer type thing. Um, pretty much, I am a first generation fire. Actually, not pretty much. I am a first generation firefighter. And what got me into it is, for lack of a better term, I wanted to do something different. I've kind of always had a drive to be a firefighter, even from you know, adolescence, when I was, you know, five, six years old, that's all I wanted to do. Some people want to be you know, the police officer, military, the president, the astronaut, whatever. I wanted to be the firefighter. And that's all I wanted to do my entire life. So here we are living out that dream. Okay. All right. I like it. Um, with that being said, can you tell those a little bit about your department? Um, your, how many stations, amount of personnel, uh, your staffing, things of that nature. Right. So I'm in a pretty, uh, I guess, decent-sized department. Uh, we currently have seven stations. There are plans for some future growth as we are growing pretty substantially. Uh, seven stations. So we have seven engine companies, two ladder trucks, two rescues, two battalion chiefs. And my station also cross-staffs the hazmat truck as well as our ARF truck for the local airport. Um so kind of piggybacking off that, I am assigned to the engine and truck company per se. We kind of just go by uh, station assignments rather than specific to a vehicle. Uh, so I pretty much, it's kind of hit or miss where I'm going to be for the, you know, each shift. Sometimes I'm on the engine riding the tailboard. Sometimes I'm driving the engine. Sometimes I'm riding the tailboard, the quint. Uh, and then, like I said, if there's a hazmat or ARF call thrown in the mix there, we could be on either of those as well. So Take your pick, whatever it is going to be for the day. That's kind of what we're going to be doing. Okay. All right. And uh, what's your minimum staffing like? We do a minimum of three on every engine and truck and rescue. Uh, recently, we have had a rather uptick in staffing, which is good. So four has been the minimum on most engine companies. Occasionally, we have four on one of the two trucks and one of the two rescues. But generally, uh, it's been four probably... 
I'd say half the time for half the companies, uh, we do plan on hiring more and there's been recent promotions and stuff. So hopefully that trend of increased staffing uh, continues on the way up. Okay. Uh, when you say rescue, do you mean a heavy rescue or an ambulance? Okay. Yeah. Good question. So I mean, heavy rescue truck. Uh, here we call them ambulances, not down, I guess, pretty much in Florida and California, it's rescue is the ambulance. But no, here in the Carolinas, we call them ambulances for an ambulance and rescue trucks, the heavy duty rescue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you said you have two of those? We have two Two technical heavy rescues. That's okay. what they call them. I mean, if you want to get real picky, I would probably bet they're like medium duty. Uh, but I mean, they're still very capable. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, are you guys EMT intermediates, EMT basics, EMT advanced? So the department is BLS. That's our minimum. Uh, there has been a recent push over the last, I'd say like six months for pushing people to medic school. Uh, so we've kind of brought on some more medics from the outside to do the lateral program as well as you know putting our own through medic school i have a feeling in the near future you know whatever near may be probably we will be als much like every other fire department in the country is probably going to go to just because how it's going but right now we're bls so everybody uh for the most part except for some grandfathered individuals is all emt minimum okay all right and uh last question um well actually a couple more questions um What's your shift, shift schedule? Currently, it's 2448. Um, I know your next question is going to be, are we going to the 4896 <laughs> already? Um, that has been talked about a lot. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of guys have been pushing for it, including myself. Um, I've never worked it at a fire department. I've only heard stories, so I can't say whether I like it or not. But I'd be definitely open to try. I mean, everybody should at least give it a shot. That way you can accurately tell if you're going to like it or not. Um, but we have been pushing for it. Uh, it's just some, you know, some red tape as there always is with a lot of stuff just trying to implement change. But hopefully maybe again in the near future, whatever that may entail, we can maybe at least get trial. That would be nice. OK. All right. And last question for you regarding the department. Um, are engines assigned engine work and trucks do truck work? So our truck companies are quince. Um, OK. Right, right. Generally speaking, they they obviously they're capable of doing truck work. Uh, but generally speaking, they do not, they're not exclusively assigned truck work. So if something needs ventilated or, you know, search, whatever tasks you want to designate a truck company to do, the engine companies here are most certainly capable of that as well. And they, they like the, the incident commanders don't necessarily assign engine work to engine work and truck to truck. Um, it's kind of whoever's there is going to do whatever is needed. Um, really, I must say, in at least in this part of the state and in, in, in this whole state, uh, truck work isn't necessarily a you know forefront thought for some. Um, I think the culture is slowly changing, but for some reason, it's never been like a priority for you know to assign truck work type duties right um i don't know why but i'm i'm originally from pittsburgh and obviously up north you know truck work is is god's work so coming from that culture to here massive difference huge difference but i i foresee the culture changing just because i mean science is science you can't deny that so absolutely okay all right um my first question to you or my next question i should say to you is what does the term aggressive mean to you your opinion Good question. Um, I think it's being 
capable and willing to do your job both on and off the fire ground. Um, the reason why I started my whole brand is to kind of instill the fact that informal leadership and mentorship uh, is very important on this job. Um, I think in certain places, it's kind of gone by the wayside. Some people aren't stepping up as much as they should be to be that informal mentor. Um, some people think that leadership is exclusive to the, how many bars you have in your collar. Um, some people think that, you know, it's not their job because they're not in that position or it's the training division's job to do all of the training, if you will. So you can be aggressive, obviously, on the fire ground. I think that's what everybody associates it with, you know, interior attack, ventilation, whatever the case may be. But I think you can be just as aggressive in a different sense, you know, when it comes to culture. Um, I think if you have a good firehouse culture, aggressive culture in the firehouse, just trying to be better, you know, just having a more cohesive team, I think that's going to translate to be more aggressive on the fire ground. Okay. All right. Um, you kind of jumped in there. So that, that was going to be my next question for you. So it's kind of like two parts. Why and what triggered tailboard leadership? Like, because with, with individuals like you and other individuals that like blue collar firemen and um, back of the bay, there's usually something that triggers you to go, or something occurs and then you go, okay, I'm going to do something about it. So I've always had like a passion for content creation and writing. Um, even when I was in, I guess, grade school, I was kind of dabbling in content creation on YouTube and social media like years and years ago. I kind of got away from it for quite a quite amount of time. And then I kind of obviously got back into it. Um, so I've always wanted to write and, you know, express my opinions, whether people like it or not. I hate to say it. But uh, as far as making it fire service related, um, I took a class with a bunch of people that was kind of taught by a gentleman from the coast here. And he said a statement along the lines of you can't, you know, affect change if you have no pretty much if nobody's listening or if you don't have the right audience. So it's kind of up to you to gather the like minded people to kind of affect the change you want to bring. And something in, in my brain kind of picked up on that. And literally that next week after taking that class, I started the pages up and started writing. And I kind of attribute what he said to kind of kick this off. Because as soon as he said that, I started thinking about all the stuff that I wanted to change. And you can't really bring too much change if you don't really get your ideas out there. Uh, so I just started doing it. And I guess, you know, obviously it's taken off because a lot of people can relate to it which goes to show that a fire department is a fire department everywhere. Everybody's dealing with the same stuff. You know, I see a lot of people talking about they want to leave a certain place for another place. Obviously money is a huge thing, or if you're moving, whatever the case may be, but cultures pretty much are about the same, especially if it's a, you know, relatively same size. Um, and everybody can relate to what needs to be done better in our job. No, I, I you're, <laughs> you definitely hit the nail on the head there. I mean, cause you, you've had a couple couple quotes you put out there and it's it's like it's kind of like you knew like I was having that kind of day or that situation occur because mm -hmm. I mean a lot of them are truth bombs a yeah. lot of them leadership doesn't want to uh I'm trying to figure out the right word they don't they don't really want to know about it it's just kind of like they want to sweep it under the rug Mm -hmm. So um, I, I can say I appreciate everything that you do on your page and, and your your thoughts that you project out there. But have you ever had any? Because uh, so you're, you're, you're a senior firefighter slash relief driver. So my question to you is, have you ever had anybody with quote unquote rank 
that's like, what do you know? Because you know that's how the fire service is. Like if yeah. you start stepping on some some toes, like uh, as as uh, Chief Ike says, you know, if you're kind of veering off your lane, and so if you're stepping in someone else's lane, have you ever had somebody come approach you like, hey, you don't really know what you're talking about? Uh, there has been some chatter, for lack of a better term. Uh, there hasn't been any official approaching or like, you know, someone has, you know, specifically pulled me aside and, you know, address whatever, you know, thing they want to address. Um, but, you know, people have said stuff informally. Um, I've heard stuff through other people and other avenues of people saying pretty much what you just said, like, you know, how does he, who does he think he is? How do you know, how does he know what he knows? Whatever the case may be. Um, but generally, I mean, it's, it hasn't been anything super negative. I mean, you obviously have your, your couple naysayers, but at the end of the day, like you said, the stuff that I'm trying to put out and the whole concept or idea and whole goal is to make the, the job better. So I think every firefighter should be able to agree with it, whether no, no matter what your rank is, or no matter what my rank is, you know, it's not calling anybody out. I'm not, you know, calling places or people out. That's obviously not the goal. Uh, the, the whole thing is, is to make you think about your own situation into how to apply whatever knowledge it is to your situation to make it better. And if there's firefighters out there who truly think that that is a bad thing to do, then they are totally in the wrong. I mean, I think everybody can agree with that. If you are against trying to make the job better, then you're in the wrong job, my friend. It's as simple as that. No, no, you're, <laughs> you're absolutely right, man. I mean, we are Firemen are our own worst enemies. And, you know, we don't like change mm -hmm. with certain things. But, I mean, I, I truly believe that the shift, that there's a dynamic shift that's occurring where firemen are trying to take firemanship back. Like, we are trying to bring back a love for the job, a love for physical fitness, a love for training, and a love for just standing up for what's right. You know, that's the, that's, a, that, that's where I believe the problem is we have, in my opinion, we have chiefs that have lost sight of the, the true mission. It's not when you become that chief, whether it's a fire chief, deputy chief, assistant chief, battalion chief, it's not about you anymore. It should be about the men and women who are serving under you. You mm -hmm. need to remember that these are the individuals on the front lines that are that are providing service to the community that we said that we would. And, but we need to remember that we need to do it in a certain way. I agree. And we actually had this conversation uh, not too long ago, how all the chiefs, whether they started with our department or not, have all been in our shoes at one time or the other. Um, and I'm sure they've all dealt with chiefs that they didn't like at the time. And to try to bring them back to our shoes to kind of reel them in a little bit. I think that's what it takes um, and just like you said, the, the chief level is to exist because it, it is supporting the membership. They're not there to support technically themselves. They are there to support those under them and to, to accomplish the mission. And like I just said, I think some of them have lost sight of, you know, the positions that we're currently in. Uh, and hopefully some of them see some of the posts that I, that I post about or talk about. Just because I think some people do need, you know, that regrounding at times because mm -hmm. all of us can go astray from whatever, you know, position we're in or whatever the case may be. So I think everybody needs just just a little bit more grounding to come back to reality and realize, you know, certain things are not worth getting upset over or 
you know, micromanaging all that stuff. No, I, I absolutely. I mean, it's, you got to have that humility to remember what it was like. Cause that's one thing, like me and my buddy were actually talking about that the other day. Uh, whenever you're like certain people become chief officers, but when they were on the truck, like they were one of the guys, like you, I respected that they showed mm -hmm. me, Hey, this is how things were. And then because they get promoted and they come off the truck and they receive their own vehicle and some bugles, it's like they have totally forgotten. It's like, you know, uh, in Men in Black, when Will Smith takes a little <laughs> black thing, it's like it like you you have totally forgotten what it's like. And I, I never understood why that occurs. But then on the flip side, I look at people like Chief Scott Thompson and um, David Rhodes and like these guys uh chief jason hubbleman they don't forget what like we need more of that it's like it's like mm -hmm. th these guys are like anomalies in the fire service yeah which which in reality them being the anomaly they, they should be the majority that's what it should that's exactly what it should be and you know everybody likes to say oh well you don't know what goes on behind the scenes politics bureaucracy whatever the case may be i can i can understand that i mean there's a lot of crap that they do have to deal with um, from their bosses and, you know, the, the government level, whatever the case may be. So I'm not doubting that there's a lot of extra stress, work, paperwork, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they still have to realize what they're there for and what we are all there for. And it's not necessarily to appease um, the elected officials per se. Um, it's there to accomplish our mission and to do it as best we can. And if they're not you know, feeding into that, then I really don't think they're doing their job right. I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't say better than that at all. Couldn't say it at all. Oh, be better than that at all. That was, that was perfectly said. Um, next question for you. Uh, should there be a years of service clause for promotion? Um, yes. Uh, currently where I'm at, there is, there is a, a service or requirement, I guess it's about two years per role to, to remain or to become eligible for the next. Uh, some people think that the two years is, is too little. Uh, some people have said they want to increase the, uh, the tailboard type positions to about five years before you're eligible for relief driver or senior firefighter, if you will. Um, and that's regardless of whether you come in with or without experience, that's just five years for everybody. I think two years is a happy medium. That way you're getting, you know, as a brand new firefighter, even with no experience, two years is a lot of time to acclimate to our department and how we do things, how we want things, how it's done right or wrong way. It's just how it's done. If you can't, if you can't get what you're trying to accomplish in two years, whatever your position is, you got, you know, there's a bigger problem. Um, I do think for some of the other roles, like personally, I think the, uh, the driver position should require a bit longer time, maybe three years before you're eligible for, which is our firefighter specialist position, which is like engineer, you know, acting officer type position. Um, I think maybe the grade that I'm currently in should require maybe three years just because, you know, two years to focus on driving type stuff. And then that last year focusing on how to prepare to be a potential officer uh, and to actually take on like a true leadership position. Um, I think that would be good. But as far as like having a minimum, I think it's required. I mean, you know, some places they do lateral hires now where you can kind of laterally hire on as an officer. Um, some people think that's great. Some people don't. I think it's kind of depending on the situation. No mm -hmm. place is just overflowing with applicants and people. So 
maybe you have no choice. Um, I guess it's it's kind of a more case by case basis. I mean, it's not really a blanket statement if that helps. Yeah, no, no, I, I get you. I get you 100 um, percent. With you being a uh, senior product writer slash relief driver, how long did you take uh, before you decided to to promote? So when I got hired on, it's kind of like firefighters, you know, one, two and three. It goes for us. I got hired on as a fire two because at the time the firefighter one position didn't exist. Um, so just recently, they just created the fire one position, which they bring you on with zero experience. You go through the whole, you know, firefighter curriculum, EMT, and then you get promoted to firefighter two once all of that's done. Uh, recently, they started hiring laterals so you can get hired on as a fire one, two or three. Um, so I started to two. I've been here about two and a half years and I got promoted to the relief driver position uh just over two years. So I satisfied the two year mark and then satisfied. We have a whole list of classes and things we have to get done as well. Uh, so pretty much as soon as I, I hit the minimum, I was ready to go. Um, and some people thought that that was bad. You know, people, again, like I said, it depends on the situation. Some people think, you know, people who are in a hurry to promote are in a hurry to be in charge. I've had numerous people tell me that, that I'm in a hurry to be, you know, an officer, but you know, at the end of the day, I feel confident in my ability to act in my current role. And I think that's what's most important. Um, obviously, the, you know, people check you off and stuff, so they have to be confident in you as well. But I think in this job, you really got to be self-aware. And if you honestly think that you're ready, I think you're ready. You have to just kind of check in with yourself to make sure you're actually ready to do what you're going to do, um, especially with these next upcoming promotions are, you know, people got to ask themselves, are you ready to be in charge of a company and make potentially life and death situations for both yourself and those, you know, you're serving or you're leading. Um, so I think you actually have to be, have that difficult conversation with yourself. Cause I've talked to numerous people who have had those conversations and have told themselves, you know, I'm not ready to do X, Y, Z position. I need more time. I need more training, whatever the case may be. So I think once again, it's, it's all case by case basis. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Okay. Um, down the line, where do you see yourself in, in, in the future? Um, ultimately, the aspiration is to be uh, like a chief level position, whatever that level may entail, whether it's, you know, battalion chief all the way up to, you know, the fire chief. Somewhere in there is where I want to ultimately end. I want to stay on the, the line as long as I can. Just like you said, I feel like even the most grounded individuals, as soon as they get that promotion, they kind of lose sight just because they're not doing it every day or as much, whatever the case may be. Um, and I just like being on fire trucks. I like going to calls. I like running, you know, we don't see a whole lot of fire here uh, just cause it's a, it's a very new and growing area. So the code is extremely strict. It's all new construction. Everything's, you know, sprinklered. It's, it's the whole, you know, the whole nine yards, but the calls, even medical calls, I love just being out of the station and just doing something, you know, and sitting in an office running the occasional call doesn't really sit too well with me currently, but maybe in 20 years when I'm a little bit more slow and not as capable, that might be perfect. I, I have to. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what person that doesn't like to run calls yeah. and definitely just get out the station. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice to have your, your down days. Don't get me wrong. Like right. there's some days where you're like, Hey, if we run anything, like, I'm okay if we don't, you know, depending on, it's ebbs and flows, life, you know, things going on around you, things of that nature. But yeah, even, even running the, the, 
the medical calls, like you said, because like my department, we don't burn very often. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it, it is what it is. There's, there's really no way you can change that unless you like start lighting fires yourself. And I'm not telling <laughs> anybody to go do that, but like, you know what I mean? It, it is what it is. When we get the structure fires, I mean, it's, it's awesome, but it's, you know, we're not job town, but while I'm on shift, I try to do the best that I can to, to make it worthwhile for myself. Exactly. And Just I'm like sure you said, I would, I would much rather be out doing literally anything than sitting in the station. Now, when it's, when it's like past like 10 PM, I'm all about staying inside. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, anything before that, if it's a nice day, you know, we don't have a lot going on. I would much rather be out, you know, doing anything except, you know, staring at each other, you know, once the training and stuff's done, it's, it's, I would much rather be out doing anything. Um, and I think the crews that emphasize, you know, they want to run calls, they want to, you know, just be active and doing something, whether it's pre-planned, just doing something is better than just sitting there. I think you can always find something to do. And, you know, again, that informal leadership, just trying to take that, that initiative to just do something with your crew is huge. I mean, just because the department doesn't tell you you have to do something doesn't mean you can't go out and find your own thing to do. I think that's what taking that initiative is all about. No, you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, I don't, yeah, you don't need the chief or your battalion chief to go out. Hey, you guys go out and do this. No, like you said, if it's a nice day, go out there and do building walkthroughs, pre-plans, mm -hmm. like you said, estimating stretches, but, and, and all this doesn't necessarily mean you have to go put your gear on. I mean, you can easily take, um, I don't know what the hell I'm going to jumble what, what, what you call it, but we have a, uh, a, a measuring wheel where like we can, park the truck at a designated location, but like, all right, how many feet do you think it'll take to get the hose from here to there? And, you know, just do that. There's definitely a plethora of things that you could do besides just sitting at the station. Of course. Yeah. I mean, everybody can watch the same show in the news, you know, five times a day, but going out there and actually being better at your job, just like you said, you can do so much stuff without even breaking a sweat, literally walking around, especially this time of the year here. It's like 55 degrees every day. I mean, you can it takes it's it's no effort. You can do it even after a call at that, you know, whatever address. Um, just something is better than nothing. It's as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. OK, uh, next hot topic. That's that's on social media. Recruitment and retention. Uh, you see a lot of department. A lot of departments are hiring. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, throughout the country. And uh, some of them I think are, are kind of clever with their, what I call tactics. Like they, you mm -hmm. know, you see the flyers where they label the schedule they work and aggressive engine companies, aggressive truck company culture, smooth bore nozzles, low hose. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's all great. I mean, cause you got to do what you got to do to, 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 get the applicants. But what, if besides that, what do you see or what do you think a department can do to attract more applicants? I mean, the easiest thing is the pay. I mean, firefighters in general don't get paid considerably that much. Uh, I know a lot of places have recently paid more or better, which is good. But I think if you're going to be a firefighter, you're not looking at pay necessarily as like the first thing uh, as a brand new firefighter trying to sell them. You know, if someone who's never been in the fire service is looking for a fire service job and you say, hey, man, here's a smooth bore nozzle. You want to come work for us? They're not going to know what the hell that is. Right. So, I mean, all that smooth bore, low husband stuff. I'm all about it. It's great. But I think that's geared towards more like the lateral entry people. Because if you're trying to get brand new applicants, nobody, they're not, they don't know what that stuff is and they don't know why it's better than whatever else is out there. 
But I think the biggest thing is people don't really put this on their flyers for better or worse is your culture. I mean, your culture is a recruitment tool and a retention tool. If you have a good culture, people are going to tell their non-fire service friends or family, hey, it's great working here. We even though you know, the pay is okay. I mm -hmm. love coming to work every day. We don't go to fires every day, but I still love coming to work every day because our culture is great. That other person who doesn't even know what a fire department culture even is, is going to be like, hey, I hate my current job. I want to love going to work every day. And then on the same token, it's going to be a retention tool as well. If somebody loves going to work every day, why would they go somewhere else? There's a lot of people who still don't understand that. And it blows my mind. I mean, I've talked about this at length on my page about culture, you know, is a recruitment and retention tool. And the fact that people aren't recognizing it as such is probably why the service is in the situation that it kind of is as far as retention and recruitment, um, especially for the newer folks. I don't want to say that we have to change our ways as far as culture goes, but they are expecting Actually, they have no expectations when they come to work at a fire department. So if we present a good culture from the beginning to them, why would they want to go work anywhere else? I know a lot of people, not just where I'm at, but all over the place, you know, start at one place. They see the culture is, you know, terrible or for them. And then they go somewhere else. And whether it's good or not, I don't know, because I don't see them again. But I think it's all about how you present it and how you you flaunt it, if you will. I mean, you like I said, the smoothbore stuff is great. That's great to get laterals in the door, but I think uh, getting civilians in the door is is kind of more important, just because you can mold them from brand new to how you want them at your department. I mean, everybody is familiar with lateral hires. Some of them come in with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, I've done this for you know ten years before. Why do I have to change the way I pull this line because you guys do it differently? So having that brand new person with no experience, I think is much more uh, advantageous to any fire department, especially if you can pay them less too. I hate to say it, but coming in as a brand new, mm -hmm. unexperienced rookie is much cheaper, even if you have to train them, than someone with 10 years because if they're coming in laterally, it's going to be a higher pay. No, yeah, no, you're, <laughs> you're right. I mean, yeah. You got to do what you got to do when it comes to that. I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely get your standpoint on it. Someone new, they don't know anything, so you can teach them the way you want them to be taught compared to where. Which I'm not saying a lateral can't, but it's a little bit harder depending on how long they've been in their mindset. Uh, I yeah. think, I think if you're going to laterally transfer, you need to have an open mind and an open uh, conversation with yourself, like, hey. Don't come in there acting like you've known it all, because to me, that's the worst thing you can do because people can see that. And then you're probably going to unfortunately put a target on your back acting like that and then coming in with that mindset. If, if you if you are going to switch departments and you are going to go and move in laterally, you need to just kind of not saying act brand brand new, like don't be like, I don't know how to do this at all, but. <laughs> Don't go in there with the whole, well, that's not how my department did it. Well, you're not on that department anymore. You know what I mean? Like you need to just kind of conform to to how that place does it. And then I think after a while, when you get a little tenure, you can go, hey, Cap, have you guys ever thought about doing it this way? Because that, that's one thing. You only know what you know within the confines of your department. So which is kind of which is I'm going to kind of go to the next topic. 
outside training. Do you do you believe outside training is 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 huge or good for individuals? Yeah, so I'm 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 all about training, whether it's informal, you know, whether you have to take it through the state or whatever the case may be. Training is training at the end of the day. Even sitting in a lecture, which a lot of people don't agree with because it's not hands-on or watching a PowerPoint. I'm not huge on computer-based learning because that is probably the the worst thing that we can do, but it's still at the end of the day, it's better than nothing. If you're if you're actively engaged with it in some fashion, it's still better than like I said, staring at the television screen. It's 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 something. But uh, outside training, I think if you have the opportunity, I think that's important. Um, I know a lot of departments kind of stray away from that for whatever reason, because it's not, you know, state sanctioned or it's not approved <laughs> by X, Y, Z body, whatever the case may be. Right. But nine times out of 10, the, the conferences or whatever the case is going on are probably teaching the exact same stuff, if not a little bit better than the uh, the state sanctioned or whatever sanctioned classes that are going on that are, you know, quote unquote, recognized by your department. Um, I think that's the only way you're going to gain outside perspective. If you've only been at one department your entire life and you never go anywhere for classes or talk to anybody else, how are you going to know what's going on around you? Yeah, you can look at stuff on the internet, but talking to somebody face to face is much more beneficial then watching a video and obviously doing it somewhere else is even more beneficial than, you know, watching it on a video. So I think outside training is important. I think that departments should, you know, encourage their members to find that stuff, whether it's on their own dime or the department pays for, you know, a select group to go every once in a while. I think that's great. Um, I know a lot of departments have a huge training budget, so I think they should put some of that budget towards either bringing in outside people to host those classes or conferences at their own place or paying for others to attend them elsewhere. Like I said, that's the only way people are going to pick up other ideas. And just like you said before, I know everybody hates change, but sometimes change is necessary, especially in 2024. The tactics have changed drastically from 2000 and even 10. Uh, I mean, so it, it, we're going to have to keep evolving. And if we don't evolve, we're going to be left behind. And I think a lot of places are still trying to play catch up because they're still living, you know, 10 years in the past rather than right now. Mm -hmm. No. Yep. Definitely hit it. Hit the nail on the head there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I never knew anything about outside training. And I, like mm -hmm. I said, I, I'm an I'm a open book. I, I will tell people like the truth. And it wasn't until I attended my first conference where I was nervous. I mean, I, I was the only one that went, so I didn't really know anybody. And then I started a couple, seeing a couple familiar faces. And then when you actually sat there and listened to the lectures, listened to what the guest speaker has to say, anytime it resounds with you because of whatever's going on in your current department, you're like, oh, okay. And then everybody else around you is like nodding or clapping. And you're like, yeah, like you just <laughs> you just end up being surrounded by. And after talking to these people at break, you know, you truly find like, OK, it's not my department. That's just like this. Or I don't just have an individual who acts like this or doesn't want to do anything. It's everywhere. And once you attend that, man, I'm telling you, like the first the, my first year, I was hooked and I told myself from here on out. If it's as long as it's in driving distance and I can work it with the boss, man, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and yep. just get that knowledge, get that outside perspective, because that's what makes the job. Like you can take back little things to your department 
Like, um, you know, if you do do that, don't try to shove it down their throat. Nobody likes that. Just go, hey, have you guys ever thought about this? Or I, this is what I learned here. Try to take it back. Hopefully your members are receptive. If not, keep it for yourself and just, you know, just keep on keeping on. I mean, because I'm sure you've been on a crew or you know people who just are adamant against change. Like, oh, uh. Minuteman, Hozo, that's just stupid. We can just keep with the keep the flat low. We've always done it this way. Like you're never gonna get through to those people, but it's always the it's always the select few. If you can get them to see it and change it, man, I mean it's it's you're you're doing something for the service. Yeah, like I said, if you can if you can pick up something, obviously for yourself, you pick up something better. But I think even if you bring it back to even a non-receptive crew. If they, if they give you the time to present whatever idea you want to present on that you brought back, even though they may not be super receptive of it, I guarantee you it'll get them to start thinking. You know, the next time that certain tactic or idea, whatever you're talking about, comes into play on a call that you are all on together, I guarantee that they're going to think of that. And whether they, they do it or not, or they do it and give you credit or not for telling them, it's, it's going to help. I mean... I like to say that leading by example, whether doesn't matter what rank you are, is important. If you show that you're you're trying to be better for yourself and obviously your crew and, and the citizens we serve, I think that's contagious. I mean, it's it's definitely contagious when you have a lazy person or a complacent person. That is definitely going to rub off on everybody around them. But the same thing is true if you have somebody who's a go-getter, who wants to be a little bit different in a good way and try to push the envelope. I think that's going to rub off on those around you, too. Uh, but again, it kind of goes with your department culture. If you're if your culture kind of exists to breed that type of idea and to always push the envelope and to be better and not complacent, then it's great. But if you have a, a culture who doesn't necessarily like change for better or worse, you kind of got to tread the line. It's just it's it, again, everything I've said so far is case by case basis, but everybody's different. Every place is different. It's insane how at the end of the day, we all do the same job, the same types of calls, just in a different zip code. But the the vast difference between the services is just insane. Um, I know there's always, you know, standards and train, whatever. But the difference in actions and cultures is just insane. And I, I, I find that amusing, actually. No, it's, it's one of those things, you know, like I know I thought to myself after watching – whatever like all right so this is gonna be my my example i am a huge so if anybody's listening i need y'all to like hook me up okay seriously it's like my 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 freaking make a wish foundation dream i love and i've never been there but i love what stockton fire department in california does oh, bro yeah. like from how they bring people on to what is expected of them to what it's like being a probationary fireman to what they are taught it definitely helps that Stockton sees a lot of work. There's no mm -hmm. doubt about it. But if you take that aside, the camaraderie, the way they operate, it's just it's 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 like watching their videos. It's flawless. It's like poetry in motion. Watching how oh, they yeah. do things, communication, uh, <clears throat> a great aggressive tactics, getting the job done. Like it's it's freaking awesome how they operate. And then sometimes you think to yourself. Why can't we get guys to buy in like that? Why do we have guys that bitch about the dumbest things ever? Or why can't we get them to see like, hey, 
if the truck's dirty and it wasn't raining, why didn't y'all wash the truck? Like, seriously, man, like, you yeah. you're, we're there for 24 hours, and it's just, like, the minute things you just, like, I know for me, it, it's one of those things I'm always wondering, why are you here then? Like, I mean, obviously, I guess you're, you're, you're there to collect your paycheck, right. but it's just, if you have time for X, Y, and Z, but, like, the, the rig's dirty, or the station looks like crap and shift change, like, what are we here for? So, I mean, I, I will definitely be up front. I, that goes through my mind all the time of how they can build that or how they have built that. Uh, and I'm sure they have their, their select few in that department that don't meet the standard, but I'd say a good majority of those dudes are jam up. Yeah. I mean, it, it all goes back to that culture. I mean, they, they have an, it from the looks of it. I I've never been out there. I've, I've never, I don't think I've talked to anybody directly from there, but just from the facade they put out to everybody, they look, the culture looks amazing. And obviously Rome wasn't built in a day. They didn't become that way last week. You know, it's been decades and generations of molding and growing and to get where they are now. Um, I think everybody has their growing pains. And like you just said, even there where it looks jam up all everywhere, all the time, you're still going to have certain crews, people who aren't even close to what, facade they're you know putting off mm -hmm. but i think like you said why can't you know my department do what they're doing as flawlessly as they're doing it i think it, everything takes time and i think in this generation actually that video that i just saw from stockton they even said in their little write-up or description of it that they have a a metaphorical changing of the guard if you will where it's kind of the younger generation is coming up and i think that's that's true everywhere on this entire job i think not that the the you know the older generations are bad or didn't know what they were doing in any right. sense. Obviously, those guys are just as jam up. They you know they they're the senior men. They know what they're doing, obviously. But I think as the next generation is coming up, it's different. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. And I think that's what the fire service needs. This new generation, I guess, from like our age and lower, is a is a lot different than, you know, those who are about to retire. It's, it's night and day, how different of just personalities and people they are um, firefighting and fire culture aside, they're just different types of people. So I think in order to, you know, mold the fire service to where it needs to be in this generation, especially in 2024, you have to have that metaphorical changing of the guard, because if you don't, your, your culture is going to suffer. Your recruitment might be okay, but your attention is going to be down the drain if it doesn't evolve. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. Love it. Um, we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about physical fitness. I mean, I, I don't know how else to, to kind of put, put a exclamation point behind that. Like, <laughs> It is a must. It is a necessity. There is no give and take when it comes to physical fitness. And unfortunately, we have people that will disagree with me that they'll say, I did what I have to do. I got hired. I can pass the yearly nonchalant physical test to stay on the truck. But they're like recliner holders. And, and there's a time and place, time and place for that, because I, I, I love sitting on the couch, too, every once in a while. But we most departments they allow their members at least an hour that's even that's just between the hours of eight and five after five you could probably work out as much as you want yeah call, call mm -hmm. dependent whatever you got going on that day but they grant you an hour to work out 
I just can't fathom and or understand how people do not take advantage of that, especially, and this is what I want people to understand. My station, we have to work out at the station. We don't have a gym that we go to. The other stations uh, have gyms that they can go to, but if your department allows you to go to a local gym on duty, I just want y'all to think, why is it that like guys will huddle around each other around like a specific treadmill and just talk half the time with the general public looking directly at you? You're a walking billboard. The back of your shirt says fire department and you're just either standing around there just talking, fooling around and not doing anything like I want people to understand that the, that's what the public sees. And if you're out of shape and you're doing that, that's like a double whammy on on mm -hmm. top of that. You mm -hmm. know, so f f physical fitness, go. So like you said, we, all of our stations have a fair amount of gym equipment at them. So we, we don't, we're not allowed to leave and go to a gym because we have pretty much cardio, weight, whatever you want to do. It's all in the stations. Personally, I work out every off day. Um, if I can get a workout in while I'm on shift, I will do it. I will say I'll, I'll be the first one to call myself out. Recently, I haven't just because I hate getting interrupted, especially if I take pre-workout. It's just game over. I mean, <laughs> so I know I can get a, a decent workout in every off day. So that's what I do. So I'm working out two out of every three days at minimum. If I can get something in at work, I'm going to do it. Um, and again, I'll, I'll be the first one to call myself out on is that it, it kind of takes a team to want to work out together at work, especially even if your department requires it. Um, it's still it's nobody wants to go work out alone. And if you do good for you, but mostly, you know, if you're doing it as a team, I think it's just more fun and it's better camaraderie and everything else. But uh, I'll be the first one to say that I haven't initiated it as much as I should. Um, I've kind of fallen off doing it consistently at work. Um, but as far as importance goes, I don't think there's anything more important. I think everything we do involves fitness. Even your typical lift assist, if you're not using proper body mechanics, you will literally hurt yourself. If you're not lifting the medical bags correctly in and out of the fire truck, you will hurt yourself. And the best way to limit or reduce injury risk is by working out and making your body resilient to those basic tasks. Um, just recently, actually, it was super nice here. One shift, we really weren't in the mood to like do some crazy CrossFit workouts. So we, my crew and I, we all went to the local park. We walked around the track for like an hour straight because it was a beautiful day. And just like you said, the community was all out there. They saw us, we said hi to them and they're like, oh, we think it's great that you guys are out, you know, walking around. And we're like, yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. Um, but like you just said, Fitness is important, but I think a lot of people get really caught up in the weeds of what fitness actually entails. Just because you're physically fit does not mean you are the next top CrossFit athlete in this country. You can be physically fit without being, you know, super duper CrossFit person, right? And I think that's what people kind of get caught up in the weeds with. Like when we say fitness, that doesn't mean you got to go out and, and be crazy. You can right. do whatever level of fitness you want to do and still be physically fit. Literally walking on the treadmill, if you're comfortable with that, is better than nothing. Just like the fire training. Some movement, some type of exercise is absolutely better than nothing. And if you want to add even more to your fitness level, the whole diet thing, that's a whole nother topic. But I mean, as firefighters, I think all of us 
follow the firefighter diet, but, uh, you know, making a little bit smarter decisions when it comes to what you're eating or drinking, whatever the case may be is also plays into that a huge part. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't take a lot to be physically fit at like the most bare minimum level. Um, I just think again, it takes change in, you know, initiative and willpower to do something. And as firefighters, we don't like change and we don't like the way things are. So everyone's just caught in that gray area constantly. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right on that. And, you know, I've stated that before. I'm not saying you need to go out there and be Mr. Olympia like you're preparing for a, uh, uh, you know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger type thing. No, mm-hmm. just if you're going to go to the gym, do something, you know, right. public perception. That's all that it takes. Public perception. The public to see you one time not doing anything and just going, okay, like, like these guys literally come here to like talk or gossip like yeah just do something literally anything literally i mean yeah literally anything and you know not everybody's into gear workouts i i personally find that gear workouts allow for myself when i have to wear my gear for an extended period of time it doesn't bother me like i'm not Mm -hmm. like uncomfortable because i i just i put it on it's going to limit your mobility it's going to suck but if you can get used to it then it's, it's, it's like second nature. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's a breeze. And, yeah. but, but I mean, you know, I'm not big into CrossFit. Grant, I don't know what I do is consider CrossFit. I, I don't think so. I just like to do what I call functional fitness workouts. I work mm-hmm. out in gear. I do air squats. I do push ups. I kind of mimic moves that I would do on the fire ground, crawling, you know, your, uh, the, uh, the, the posture of making sure you're looking up and you're kind of, knee walking, things like that. That's, that's what I'm, I don't lift heavy. I've never wanted to lift heavy. I just want to be able to go the distance when time comes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, it's like you just said, uh, when the time comes, you, you gotta be ready. And just like you and I have said already that our departments don't see a lot of work on a consistent basis, but you know, damn sure when that time comes, it's going to be kicking your ass if you're not used to it. So why not prepare for it? I mean, there's been a fire uh, last, like last summer that it really wasn't all that crazy, but it caught me off guard. It was late at night. I wasn't hydrated again, my own fault. And I felt it. I, I, I was miserable that entire scene because once again, my lack of preparedness led me to that situation. Did I still get everything done, you know, as best as I could and everything got accomplished? Of course. But was I struggling Yes. And I'll be the first one to admit that because that was my own fault. Was it my fitness level? I mean, you can say maybe I didn't run enough, get my cardio in for that week. And that's what was more detrimental. Uh, It could be a whole host of things. But I, for one, recognize where a problem may lie. And, you know, trying to correct it is the biggest thing. And the last thing you want to do is have your fitness level or hell, let's go as far as say your training or, or your readiness level at all levels. If, it, if that's going to be the determining factor of whether your crew is successful at whatever task you're doing, then that should be a big enough motivator to try to be the best you can. Because if your team is only as strong as your weakest link, and if you are currently that weakest link, why, why would you want to be that? Why, Literally, why would you want to be the weakest link at anything that you or your team does? So striving to be a little bit better, again, you don't have to be this great, magnificent physical specimen Something is better than nothing. And I think recognizing that is a lot of is, is one of the biggest problems that people have. I think I think everybody's like, 
we don't we don't do a whole lot of we don't see a lot of work so why do i got to prepare for it you right. know it's not going to happen today so why do i got to work out today you know right no i agree i agree but that is the that is the mindset not to have like you can't mm -hmm. you can't rely on that mindset because that mindset right there that, that's that's automatically gonna you're out automatically gonna fail if, if that's what you because you will get caught off guard when that call comes out and then you know who suffers you suffer but internally the citizens suffer from right that. yeah ultimately if you if we can't do our job they're the ones who are going to suffer you're right absolutely okay all right uh last topic communication amongst the rank and file and what I call that is from top down, down up. I truly believe successful departments have communication top down, down up. Yeah. Um, in the day and age of communication, where it takes literally seconds to send out a text, an email, instant message, whatever program, whatever your department's using, I think there's zero excuse to have a lack of information. Um I am, I love when our department does like, you know, I don't, I don't even, we don't do them on a regular basis, but whenever we do do them, it's like a meet and greet with like the command staff or the chief. And he kind of just gives you a rundown of what's going on. I think those are extremely beneficial. I think because it kind of addresses all the rumors that are going on too, because when stuff isn't addressed by those who are making the decisions, what do firefighters love doing? It's like high school locker rooms, right? Everybody just talks. Hey, did you hear we might, you know, whatever thing is going to change, but it's just a rumor. So when the person who's making the decisions addresses those rumors and tells you what will and will not happen, that stops the rumor mill. It, it tells the whole department that there is progress being made behind the scenes, even though you don't hear anything about it. So that kind of gets people excited for like the next step of whatever may be happening. So kind of the meeting thing aside, even if you're not doing the meetings, I think some sort of newsletter is extremely important. Um, I've actually been trying to bring this up. I haven't quite figured out how to address it, but I would love to get that started on a regular basis at my department on maybe like a monthly basis or quarterly, just to, you know, point out like member achievements or years of service or just something to kind of bring everybody together and kind of on the same page with stuff. Um, like I said, there's no excuse for having a lack of information or I'm sorry, a lack of communication in this day and age, maybe 20, 30 years ago where computers and smartphones weren't necessarily a thing, but now where everybody is on the computer all day long or on their phone all day long, sending emails should literally be happening every time something is done. People can bitch and moan about, Oh, I get all these emails and I have to send all these emails, but that's how stuff gets communicated. That's, that's what we're, that is 2024. So I think there should be more communication instead of less, um, especially from the top down and especially from the bottom up. It needs to it needs to go both ways. And I think once again, it kind of goes back to your culture. Is your culture receptive of more communication from the, the bottom up? Because I think that's the biggest thing where all of our our moans and groans that we have on the line don't always make it to the top because they stop at a certain level because so-and-so officer thinks it's not important. You know what I mean? So it kind of goes with your culture once again. Okay. No, love the answer. Love the answer. Uh, before we part out, is there anything you want to say? Uh, how, how people can reach you, how people can, 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 uh, can access your, uh, your, your, your social media, things like that. Yeah. So like I said, uh, tailboard leadership on pretty much all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, 
uh, TikTok and threads. Um, that's pretty much it. That's where all that's where I live and exist on the Internet currently. So that's how you can reach me. Um, as far as last remarks, um, I just want to say thank you. Like I said, when we started, it's these types of podcasts and types of personalities and pages that the fire service is really needing right now. Uh, kind of going on our communication thing. This is the type of stuff that is going to mold the culture in the right direction. In this day and age, this is the type of stuff that people are listening to or watching or reading. And I think this is what's going to have the most impactful stuff. So Danny, I thank you for being a part of the uh, evolution of the fire service culture, because we as firefighters, thank you for having us on. No, man, I, I just appreciate you accepting the invite. That's what I tell you. Yeah, of course. Because like I'll reach out to people like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, man, this is what I'm trying to do. And when I get the the yeah, I'll definitely do it. And then you, you book it, confirm and we do this, man. This is what keeps me going. I love talking. I mean, I love talking to people getting outside perspective, different perspectives, things I might not have thought about. And yes, spreading the good word is what I, is what I call it, because mm -hmm. I didn't have this 10 years ago, um, you know, because I stayed in my little bubble. I'm sure that, that there were little blogs back then that I just didn't know that people were doing this. But this is this is what we can do or this is what I feel like I can do to help benefit the fire service. Just just a little bit of appreciation, a little bit of skin I have in this game to do that. So, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on, pal. Of course, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Sir, thank you. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.